Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my co-host Yazan with me. How's it going, bro? I'm doing well, man. Happy New Year to you and uh, to all of our listeners. I'm hoping our 2021 is much better than the trying year we had in 2020. Uh, how'd you ring in your New Year? Man, my New Year is pretty humble. I'm not going to lie. Uh, just kind of stayed in, obviously, due to the lockdown restrictions of COVID here in Ottawa. So more so just watching, you know, the Knicks and Raptors teeing it off on New Year's Eve. We'll get to that in just a bit. But uh, firstly, on behalf of the Game Point Pod team, we wanted to wish you a happy new year. Hopefully everyone stayed safe and socially distanced. As mentioned, we are wishing for health, happiness, and amazing basketball in 2021. So to kick off our first episode of 2021, we got lots to talk about. Let's get started. Drop the beat. All right. So obviously, as you are very aware, I am a Raptors homer and my buddy Yazin here is a Knicks fan. And the Knicks and Raptors did tee it off on New Year's Eve on Thursday night where the Raptors, you know, struggled a bit, but single handedly beat the Knicks. And I don't know, Yazin, is there anything you want to chime in? Obviously, you did have a lot to say about the Knicks during the preseason and still have that strange hope of optimism heading towards the 2021 season so i don't know if there's anything you'd like to mention with regards to the lowly raptors having zero motivation to win and still ending up winning anyways i just said oh my god uh, listen all right first off yeah it was a very ugly game on on both sides i think the knicks starting lineup set a record for like the worst three-point shooting by a starting lineup in nba history which is pretty nuts Considering the game before against Milwaukee, they were on a tear. They came into the game as the top three-point shooting team in the league. They left the game, I think, the 13th best three-point shooting team in the league. That's how bad that game was. That Alex Len was lighting it up from three compared <laughs> to the entire Knicks. Alex Len. Like, I, I'm just... This game was so frustrating to watch. It was. It was just... No Pascal Siakam for for whatever reason. And I'm sure we're probably going to talk about what whatever this discipline really is all about. And, you know, here we are, New Year's Eve. Everyone's happy. We're looking to ring in the New Year the right way. The Knicks are playing the Raptors ahead of them in the standings. And what happens? You know, it's a dud on the Knicks end. It was it was just so, so brutal to watch, honestly. Man, it looks like the Knicks are going to need a lot more than prayer in order to turn things around. Obviously, the season is still a bit early, but just looking at the eye test, I mean, the Knicks with the three-point shooting that you just mentioned, they're, what, third in the league heading into the contest? and then First. Uh, first? Oh, wow. First. <laughs> okay, well, there's something called regression to the mean. Obviously, <laughs> we're not going to sustain that three-point success rate there, but... But yeah, I mean, it was definitely an ugly game on both sides, and there's a lot of things that we'll talk about. I feel like we're going to touch upon this topic uh, later in the podcast, but because we're still in the New Year spirit, uh, as a result, with our first topic of Run That, we'd like to talk about our NBA New Year's resolutions and what resolutions we do have for any player and or team in the NBA. So if you want to start off, Yazin, you can go ahead. Yeah. Um, so my, you know, New Year's resolution actually for the, the league, uh, would be, uh, we saw a little bit of this with Becky Hammond now becoming the first, uh, woman to be acting as a head coach in a game. 
Uh, I think the New Year's resolution for the league should be, uh, you know, more women in coaching, more women getting assistant roles. Uh, Becky Hammond, I think, will eventually be the first head coach, female head coach in the league. Uh, we've seen this league be, you know, miles ahead of all other leagues with female refs, uh, female staff, female medical staff, female commentators. Doris Burke is the GOAT, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll put her up against anybody. I, you know, I'd like to see a lot more female representation in the league, um, you know, especially with coaching. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Becky Hammond is going to probably be the first one to do it. You know, we're, we hope to see more female GMs, more female owners, you know, just I think in 2020 now, you know, we're in, it's a new league. It's a new kind of world we're living in. And to see that is, is really cool for me. I mean, Becky Hammond, you know, New York Liberty alum, you know, one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. And, you know, to see people, women following in her footsteps would be incredible for the league, for me to watch uh, and for, you know, allows, you know, men and women to, to really appreciate the sport more when there are more people involved across the, you know, the spectrum. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to see Pop kind of give her like the wink and say, like, all right, you're ready for this. You know, you got this. Uh, so I think that this is the first step for a lot of uh, women to step into these roles. So I think, you know, the league's New Year's resolution for me should be to see more women in uh, in a lot of these influential roles. What about you? No, I mean, I, I totally agree where you're coming from there. Obviously, NBA is like light years ahead in terms of how progressive they are as a league, right? Getting into some of the civil movements, as well as, you know, supporting their players and then also putting females in prominent positions, which I, I feel like is long overdue. So uh, with that being said, I mean, that's quite something that I feel like the league will achieve sooner rather than later. As for that, uh, Becky Hammond taking over Greg Popovich's duties, uh, I guess I, I think it was against the Lakers. I don't know if it's uh, meant to be something that was intentional. Maybe like Popovich was like, hey, you know what, let's just give Becky Hammond a shot against the, the league champs and see what she can do with the coaching opportunities such as I wouldn't that. put it past Pop. Pop is one yeah. of those guys. You remember him when he fouled Shaq in the first five seconds of a game. Like he's... With the he, thumbs up. He doesn't up. really care yeah. with the thumbs up. Like he's that kind of guy. So I would not put it past him to just be like, all right, Becky, I want the night off. It's all, you know, this is all on you. No, no, for sure. I am totally not surprised if that was the case. So again, you know, I want to give her kudos to, you know, being able to coach in an NBA game and then hopefully many more to come. We also have another topic that we're going to talk about as well later on with regards to coaching. And I feel like that might be able to be a great way to segue into that. As for my New Year's resolution, I was kind of looking through the lens of a fan, right? In terms of, you know, me being a Raptors fan, I don't know what kind of secret stuff that Pascal Siakam needs, but damn, that dude was such a dud this year so far. I thought that, you know, watching his play at the bubble was going to motivate him even harder this year, but yet we still haven't seen any drastic improvement. I know it's still early in the season, but, you know, as a fan, you like to see at least flashes of improvement, right? And I, I still haven't seen it at a consistent level yet. My New Year's resolution with regard to that issue is to allow him to flourish into like his 2019, 2020 self. And then hopefully have some trade value in order to acquire MVP caliber players. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I knew what... that's where you were going. I knew that's where <laughs> hey, you man, were there's going. A, honestly, there's always a caveat when it comes to these things. Typically, when there's a player that I'm not seeing any improvements on, you know, try to give them as much playing time as possible. Give them as many shots as possible. Even if it means that, you know, their trade value goes up. Hey, you know, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to figure out a way to make things better. I'm like the Masai Ujiri on the fan side of things. Except I can't make moves. So... <laughs> Other than maybe the ESPN trade machine, but that's a different story. So I uh, I saw a tweet today that said 
uh, Pascal Siakam is just Luke Richard and Bob Mute in OVO gear. And <laughs> yeah. I lost my mind. I thought that was the funniest Man. thing I've ever read. Man, that's literally one of the funniest things too. And then also another one was, I think they compared Pascal Siakam to a Beyblade. So obviously considering his, you know, his patent spin move, which now is like totally obsolete. I mean, like teams picked it off right off the bat. So just getting back to that though, the Raptors are one and four in the season. I mean, there's no real reason to panic right now, but it is concerning. Typically the time to really evaluate your team on average is about 10 games. So we'll see where things are uh, by then. But that was my New Year's resolution. My second one that I did have as well was just the Warriors to be elite again. You know what? Listen, hear me out. Hear me out. I, I told you from a fan perspective. Okay. What? I was so excited for Clay to come back this year and obviously to suffer such a nasty injury so close to the start of the season. It kind of sucked. Right. And it's kind of weird seeing them struggle. Obviously seeing dynasties, you kind of want them to end, but with the Golden State Warriors, I, I feel like their style of play makes their dynasty a bit more tolerable, obviously outside of the KD situation. But, you know, when you, when you hear that Steph and Clay are playing, you're tuning in wherever you are, right? You're about to see a whole lot of ill-advised threes drop on people's heads. Obviously, as of the season, um, I don't know that there's a way in which the team could be saved right now, but I'm just hoping that Clay comes back stronger than ever and then hopefully bring the Warriors back into their elite selves. Just from a fan standpoint, obviously the NBA style of play is exciting to watch, but I know some people are very sick of it, i.e. sexuals, right? But it is what oh. it is. <laughs> Listen, I'm so shocked that you said that. I am, I'm good if the Warriors never win another championship in our lifetime. Uh, I've seen it enough. They've been good enough. Their fan base is super irritating. Uh, you know, nobody knew about the Warriors before... I mean, we believe. even when Steph, even, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we believe. Ask any any Warriors fan, quote unquote, in 2016, 2017, who Al Harrington is, and they will not be able to answer that for you. Ask him who Andres Biedrins is, and they're going to be like, what is that? You know, is that like some sort of Slavic food or something? Like, even when <laughs> Steph was first drafted, you know, no one was looking at him. They wanted to trade him for Andrew Bogan instead of Monte Ellis. So, I'm good if the Warriors fan base just kind of disappears for a little bit. You know, it's pretty bad. We don't see them around. Steph Curry is amazing. He's one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter of all time. But he's good. He's got his rings. He's got his MVPs. Like, you guys could chill for a little bit. Let's spread the wealth a little bit. Let other teams kind of get into it. And let's let let's see that bandwagon just completely evaporate and, and, and disappear uh, until they're apparently good again. Yeah, like, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I'm not saying that I want them to go back to the finals and win rings again. But just the fact that if they were able to get to at least to a pretty good standard, if not elite, it just makes the Western Conference a straight bloodbath, right? And considering, like, the way the game is right now, where it's, like, a heavily on the three-point shot, I mean, that's something that, that is definitely exciting to watch. And just from an NBA standpoint, as a fan, and also as a guy that likes to chuck up threes on the court, that's something that I like three. to see. Yeah, exactly. That's why they call me for three for a reason, right? So um, that is my New Year's resolution. Do you have any others that you like to add? Uh, yeah, my second one is kind of a little left field here. Uh, it's another one for the league, um, not for someone in particular. Uh, I'd like to see the league move forward with... Uh, expansion i want to see the process begin for the league to expand i'd say two teams 
uh, one in the East, one in the West, and maybe a little bit of reshuffling in the divisions. You know, 16 teams each can have four divisions of four. I think now the NBA is in a position where, A, they're making a ton of money. You know, their salary cap, their salary cap is, you know, skyrocketing. Their talent pool is the biggest it's ever been. You have not only you have the NBA players right now, you have G League players, you have the you know NCAA players, you have a crop of international players that are coming out of the woodwork. You have in 2023, I believe the league will move into accepting high school players to come straight out of the uh, into the draft again, which they haven't done in uh, gosh over 15 years now. So. To see the league have this much abundance of talent, this many players, I'd like to see them expand. I'd like to see them bring a team back to Seattle. Uh, the Seattle Sonics would be amazing. You know, that fan base has been, you know, really looking forward to, to having their team back. Other cities that, you know, might host a team, I don't know. I mean, there's... Vancouver. Vancouver, Van- right? Yeah, let's, let's, bring, let's bring a team back to Vancouver. You know, they... Their fan base is, is very similar to, to Seattle's. They succeeded a little bit while they were there. I don't know why they kind of, you know, got them out of town so fast. Uh, you know, you can put a team in push Montreal, you know, like they, I don't know what the, the NBA fan base is there, but you have the Bell Center there. You have a major market, a lot of major markets in the city. Where would you like to see an NBA team? Uh, I guess besides the ones that we mentioned, where would you like to see the NBA expand into? Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, Seattle was definitely a big city that I was thinking of having an expansion, only considering the fact that they have an expansion team in the NHL, right? The Seattle Kraken. Mm, Kraken. Um, yeah, interesting name to say the least. But And the thing is that they already have a, an arena or stadium built. So obviously, an expansion team over there, it kind of makes sense. I'm thinking about Las Vegas, man. Las Vegas has definitely mm-hmm. been a city that is highly attractive to... Uh, expansion markets, so to speak. Obviously, with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, you got the T-Mobile Arena already present there. I feel like they have the fan base and the resources doable in order to have a another franchise, uh, NBA franchise. So that's probably one city that I would lean towards outside of the options that we've discussed. But the one thing I was kind of interested in, because obviously when you think about it from an international perspective, there's a lot of nice teams out there. I wouldn't say, I don't know if they would compete at an NBA level, but it would be nice to kind of have a Champions League structure when it comes to like the game of basketball, right? You know, being able to bring up maybe the top 10 teams in the NBA and then like mix them in with like top teams from like Eurobasket and other prominent leagues internationally and just put them in a little tournament. Most likely that, you know, with the NBA being the best league in the world, most likely the team that would win the Champions League would come out of there. But I feel like it would be a great way for just from a marketing standpoint for the game of basketball internationally to grow is to have a Champions League structure like that. Because you can see it in soccer, right? That's what makes a lot of these fans all across the world, all across different various countries that are hosting teams to be able to show that love for the game, right? So I feel like basketball is at a point where it's kind of knocking at the door to take it to new heights with regards to the international community. So that's probably another caveat that I would add on top of Las Vegas being an expansion hotspot. 
Yeah, it would showcase a lot of international talent. I mean, I think we're in a position now that the NBA can, you know, strike while the iron is hot. You know, super popular league right now, one of the most popular sports in the world. You got a, a ton of people coming in who are very talented and capable of playing. Like, let's make this league bigger. Let's make this league better. Like, I'm all for it. Agreed. The one thing I will say, I'm going to be a nice guy today, Yazin. Um, With my New Year's resolution, I want to pray that the Knicks do better. You know, the fact that they've been struggling wow. for how many decades now? They've been in a state of famine. Yeah, that brother's starving. Yes, sir. <laughs> how thoughtful. All we need is prayer at this point because, you know, we're beyond relying on front office and management to act accordingly. So maybe we can all hold hands and just pray for the Knicks to get back into relevancy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't need a New Year's. I don't need New Year's to pray for that. I, I pray for that every morning. I pray for that before <laughs> I go to bed. Uh, you know, I pray for that when I go pray, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it's just a regular occurrence for me, you know? So speaking of the Knicks, before we get off this topic, I do, you know, I, I'm a little, sometimes my head gets a little big when it comes to the Knicks. And, you know, I, even though they're not the greatest team right now, they're, you know, they're kind of middling and, you know, I, I I like to get myself into trouble sometimes. So I I made a bet with one of our listeners about the Knicks and Raptors, and of course oh, no. I lost that bet. So I have to realize that bet here. I have to read a written statement from one of our listeners. Oh boy! Uh, about the yes about the Raptors and Knicks game. Um, so I'm going to preface this by saying this is a disclaimer. Uh, these thoughts are not mine. Uh, they were written for me. I repeat. These thoughts are not mine. They were written for me. And I'm going to read them out now because I'm a gracious loser and I, you know, a man of my word. So uh, here we go. Uh, On December 31st, 2020, I made a bet on the Knicks and Raptors game with a Raptors fan. The best type of fan. The deal was that if the Knicks lose, I have to read out a statement during the next podcast. So here it goes. Obviously, the Knicks lost. They never... Failed to disappoint me. The Knicks never had a chance against the Raptors. And really, at the end of the day, even though I always rave about the Knicks on here, gosh, the, ta- the Raptors are insanely talented, and I should never bet they'd lose. Go, go Raps, go. Um, my New Year's resolution is to respect the team and give more love to the Raptors fans out there. End statement. I'm going to go cry now. You know what I'm starting to realize? I feel like you wrote this letter. No, I really did. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think there was a bet that happened. I feel like you're coming at a point where you're starting to understand that you're coming towards the dead end with this franchise and you're just looking for an easy way out to hop on this feel, Raptors team. Being I feel a Canadian, sick to okay? my stomach right now. I feel sick <laughs> to my stomach. This is gross. Ugh. Well, I mean, like you're speaking facts for once. I mean, being, like, you know, obviously Raptors being the best fans in the NBA and, you know, worst fans in the NBA. <laughs> but you uh, are, are the first example of that. Goodness hey, man. We, hey, at the end of the day, you told me what's facts and I just agreed with you. Simple as that, right? Gosh, oh man, I can't wait till they play again so I can get my chance for revenge, but we'll see. Where's the calendar? Where's the calendar? I'm going to mark it down now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're going to be too motivated for that one, but if you're looking to do another bet a little bit more extreme than this, then just give me a shout. You know, whoever whoever this Raptors fan is that made you do this bet, kudos to him. But if you're doing a bet with me, it's going to have to be a little bit more crazier than that. All right, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a long season, my friend. It is going to be a long season. 
Indeed. All right. So heading over to the next topic that we'd like to discuss is what is going on with Denver? The Nuggets are coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance last year and somehow starting off to a sluggish start to the season, posing with a 1-4 and four record. So with that being said, what's your take on Denver's issues and is if there's anything that needs to be fixed? Uh, I guess I'll start off with, with that topic. I think the one key here with the Denver Nuggets that I've noticed uh, over the five games, the last five games, was basically the loss of their defensive identity. You know, obviously with Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig, it pretty much left the front court relatively vulnerable defensively. You know, when you're looking at guys like Michael Porter Jr., who's not really a defender, and then Millsap, who isn't as athletic as he once was, and looking at Jokic being Jokic, right? I feel like, you know, there's there's definitely a huge loss there. And then obviously, when you think about it, Mason Pumley was, he's not that great, but obviously he's more of like an energy guy on a defensive end with regards to rim protecting, things of that nature. So again, I still think it's slightly early. But the room for error is super small, especially in a competitive Western Conference, right? With that being said, I feel like the fix with this scenario is maybe getting a deadline acquisition of maybe a backup defensive center, like an Ed Davis or a Nerlens Noel that can maybe bolster that front court depth defensively. And then secondly, when you're looking at it from an offensive side of things, we just need to revive that bubble play from Jokic and Murray, right? They were the ones that were able to propel... Denver to new heights by getting to the Western Conference Finals and erasing 3-1 deficits, not once, but twice, right? So I feel like those are the two keys, you know, getting a backup defensive center that can help bolster that line and then having your star show up as stars day in, day out in order to stay afloat in the Western Conference. How about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of nailed the hit the nail on the head. I mean, the loss of Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is, is, is really one of the, you know, top defensive players uh, in the league. Uh, and you've seen, I mean, if you look at the last couple games here, all the games went into triple digits. You know, their their offense is not what is hurting right now. I mean, they're top 10 offense in the league right now. Um, their field goal percentage is top three. They're shooting 49.3% right now as a team, uh, which is really fantastic. Um, but opponents scoring, they're, they're bottom five in the league. They're letting up 117 points a game. Uh, they're among one of the worst teams uh, right now defending the three. And they're allowing a, a ton of three-point shooting. So when you have a guy like Jeremy Grant, who is you know a very long and lanky guy, he's a glue guy. Uh, he can defend against wing players. He can defend on the three-point line, and he can defend bigs. Uh, when you lose a guy like that, you know you're losing a lot of your defensive identity. Uh, so I definitely agree that his loss was definitely mm-hmm. felt the most. What they should do is, I mean, you got to replace a guy like that with more three and D guys. You need guys who can defend against the wing. Uh, you need guys who can defend superstars. You look at Jeremy Grant as the Kawhi stopper, the LeBron stopper, the Giannis stopper. Like he's a guy who you put up against the top talent in this league offensively. Uh, and when you don't have him, you you know who do you have, right? So you know looking. At a guy like, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Jay Crowder was just sent to um, Phoenix, but like a guy in that mold, you know, uh, who who can really just play up against the top stars in this league, uh, because offensively, they'll be fine. They're going to score a ton of points. They always will score a ton of points. Jamal Murray's due for a breakout. Uh, Jokic is Jokic. He's he's masterful. Uh, you know, as a big man. So mm-hmm. scoring is not really going to be their issue. It's defense is going to be their issue. When you're allowing 117 points a game this, you know, into the season, I mean, it's all, again, only six games or so, but 
that's kind of a cause for concern. I mean, in this league, like you said, when you're talking about the Warriors, like three-point shooting is is huge, right? So when teams can run up the score, you got to be able to to limit that because there's only so much that you can do as a team to to keep up in this league. No, absolutely. I agree. Obviously, when it comes to an offensive standpoint, they're, they're obviously they're going to get there, right? I mean, it's just obviously it's too early. It's five games in. But like I mentioned, the room for error is super small in the West. So I'm hoping that they're able to pick up their play and, you know, tread towards the right direction because they're a playoff team and they're going to be a very intriguing playoff team if they were able to get in. So, yeah, it's going to be scary if, if I mean, they try to swing and trade for James Harden, who is like a defensive liability, right? I, like I said, they don't need any more offense. So if they kind of panic and think, all right, well, this might be the fix. Clearly, that might not be because... That's not what they're looking for right now. They need the pieces to put around Murray and Jokic to to, to fill in those defensive gaps. So, you know, it, it's going to be scary to see if they swing for a trade for Harden. The deadline is going to really approach very soon. We're already in January. So we're going to see how they kind of put it together. I don't think it's a cause for concern right now. I think it's very early in the season. Uh, they are a young team. They are a talented team. Um, but they need to find out their defensive identity sooner than later. Yeah, agreed. And then when you talk about, you know, the Eastern Conference, right, um, the team that we're actually supposed to be discussing on this topic is actually the Washington Wizards. And somehow they found a way to sneak in two W's and made us just scratch that idea. But Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's just, see, let's just see if Washington can actually make the playoffs first. I feel like <laughs> that's probably not going to happen. Um, but I mean, like, just steering our way in towards Washington, I mean, do you think that they're going to end up becoming a playoff team just based off of their two quality wins that they've had over the last several days? One of the wins was without Westbrook, but tonight they beat the Brooklyn Nets, who happened to have two clean looks from KD and Kyrie, but just happened to not go their way. So I'm not too sure from your standpoint whether you think that the Washington Wizards could be a team that could make it in the East. I know we talked about our playoff predictions, but things have changed a bit since that time. So maybe you want to chime in on that just a bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think the the bottom of the East is actually kind of weak. Um, you know, I, I said that before the season started, and obviously now we have the Cleveland Cavaliers and the, and the Orlando Magic at the top of the standings. Man, the Cavs so are nice, bro. The Cavs are nice. I have to bite my tongue on that one. I don't know. How, I don't. I don't understand how they're a very strangely put together team. Andre Drummond was released from that abyss in, in Detroit. Uh, and clearly has got his groove back. Um, so it's a little topsy-turvy right now in the East. I think given, like I said, we do have the possibility for a play-in game. So Washington definitely has that capability. Really on the back of MVP Westbrook. If Westbrook can play to MVP caliber that we're used to, it'll happen. But if he's, I mean, right now he's shooting atrociously. I mean, before when we recorded last week, he was something like 15 for 40 something. It was, it was really, he was just really just chucking up West brick shots. You know, the, the very, is it shocking though? It's not, no. Is it really shocking though? No, you give That's him, saying, you give like, him the, the reins back. You, you take the ball away from Harden and give it back to Westbrook. Westbrook is the kid in the candy store. Now he's going to, he's going to play, he's going to ball out, you know, but sometimes gosh. it's not great. Sometimes it's not, not good for, for your team when you, when you have a ball dominant player and you have Bradley Beal there. Like he, Bradley Beal's an all-star. He's, he's an all MVP guy. Like, they have to find a way to share 
the rock over there and maybe maybe just maybe washington can can sneak in at the bottom can make it to the playing game but it's really going to depend on how well they gel with uh with russell yeah no i agree so again time will tell time will tell my friend but um getting over to the next topic which is kind of interesting especially this early in the season which NBA coaches are in the hot seat this year? So I'll start up with you, Yazin, if you want to chime in. Of course. You're looking at the NBA now, and there's been a lot of coaching turnover. And, and a lot of times, the coach will be the scapegoat for, for bad play. Uh, you know, If you've ever heard Shaq uh, on any of his podcasts, he's always said it didn't matter who coached him, whether it was Phil or, or whoever it was. Like, you know, the team... Like he was the one dictating what was going on, but obviously, you know, coaches have to, you know, play their role. So I think I, I do have a few coaches in mind who are definitely on the hot seat. Uh, I think one of them is Luke Walton of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Sacramento is, you know, been a pretty historically bad team as well. Um, as much gripe as I get for the team that I root for, the Kings have been equally as bad over the same time period, if not worse. Um, you know, right now they're, they're kind of surprising. Uh, you know, they're, they're not looking horrible. De'Aaron Fox is, um, playing really well. Tyrese Halliburton, the, the rookie, is really not looking like a rookie at all. There might be a little bit of dysfunction there with, uh, with Marvin Bagley. Uh, his dad recently tweeted out, that uh, he was demanding oh, yeah. to trade him. So if things start to break down there in uh, Sacramento again, his job is definitely on the line. I think he'll probably be one of the first ones to uh, to see the door. I just want to pause on that. Marvin Bagley to the Raptors, please. Quote, unquote. You think Marvin so? Marvin Bagley to the Raptors, please. Is Thank this you. what you want? You- hey, I'll take it, man. Raptors have one of the best player development organizations. So it is what it Listen, is. Coming out of coming out of Duke, he was looking like a he was looking like a stud. They took him before Luca. I'm just gonna repeat that. They that's gonna hurt, him. man. That's before gonna hurt Luca. <laughs> well, I mean, that's typical Sacramento Kings for you, man. So I don't know what to tell you. King's gonna king. But yeah, Walton is, is definitely one of the guys I have on there. The other guy uh, I have is uh Quinn Snyder of the uh the Utah Jazz. They just re-signed Gobert which we talked about as you know, an abysmal contract. And they re-signed Donovan Mitchell. They have $400 million to those two players. If they can't get it going, if they can't get those guys to coexist and the team around them to rally, you know, they are going to be headed for, for some trouble. And, and, and Snyder would probably be uh, the one they have to get rid of if they have to get rid of one of the three. So those are my two uh, coaches, both out of the Western Conference, who might be on the hot seat. What about you? Yeah, so I have two different coaches, actually. Uh, although I do agree with you, those those two coaches, you know, obviously Luke Walton and Quinn Snyder have teams that are always underperforming their expectations. So we will definitely see how things progress over the course of the season. As for my two coaches, my first coach is Mike Budenholzer, actually. The Bucks have always showed success in the regular season, similar to that of the 2015 Atlanta Hawks. But, you know, they're always providing 60-win regular seasons and then all of a sudden falling short in the playoffs, right? Not willing to make adjustments as a coach in the playoffs is definitely one of his shortcomings that's well-known over the course of the NBA. The front office has done more than enough to provide personnel and resources to help elevate the team production, which obviously results into a mandatory championship expectations. Although they did re-sign Giannis to a massive deal, he's still on the hot seat considering the expectations that are made, especially to a team like the Bucs and, you know, with Drew Holiday on an expiring deal. Clock is ticking, really, for Mike Bloomholzer. He really needs to start 
showing results, right? Making the necessary adjustments, actually playing Giannis 40 minutes a game in the playoffs instead of the 34, 35 that you see. It's getting ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. If Drew Holiday walks, Budenholder's gone. To, to, to get rid of all the, that draft capital for, for Holiday to leave. I don't think Holiday will leave, obviously, but if he does and that thing starts to break down and they have Giannis signed for the next five years, like he's as good as gone. So I definitely agree there. Yeah, and then look at that. Obviously, you bring up a good point in, in draft capital. Remember, I think, what, 2019, when they made that trade for Nikola Miritich? They traded, like, I think four second-rounders and, like, I think Ridiculous. maybe another piece. And and the fact that that guy absolutely flamed out in the playoffs and then ran away to Europe. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it goes to show that, you know, players are maybe not as motivated enough to play for a coach like Mike Budenholzer. So we shall see. I mean, once the playoffs hit... And Giannis isn't showing that, you know, that shooting ability that he's supposed to show in the playoffs and they flame out once more. The front office really has no choice but to look at Mike Budenholzer because they did secure their guy in Giannis. So we'll see. So the second one that I have is actually Scott Brooks of the Washington Wizards. Obviously, when you trade for a guy like Westbrook with young, promising pieces, Rui, you also drafted um, Avi, and then also signed Bertans. You know, you, you definitely have some promising pieces around that you can build with a budding star like Bradley Beal. The expectations is to make the playoffs. I mean, I feel like even a play-in tournament is kind of unacceptable for a team of their caliber with regards to their talent. Oh no, you didn't! The team has been between bad and mediocre for years, and they must make the playoffs with those two stars or he's gone. I mean, the GM has been fired already, and obviously if they don't meet expectation, the coach is definitely going to be next. They thought John Wall was the problem, but, you know, John Wall is flourishing in Houston as we speak. So we'll see who the real problem is, and if they don't meet expectations, it's going to be on the coach's head, unfortunately. Yeah, if it it comes down to Beal versus uh, Brooks, they're definitely going to try and keep Beal. That like Brooks is expendable when you have a superstar of that caliber. I definitely agree. So again, Washington and the Bucks, they have high expectations in their own ways. One more championship aspiration than the other. But those two coaches, man, they better watch their head top. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. With that being said, we're going to go over to our second segment, AO of the Week. AO, what the f- so, Yaz, I'm going to start off with you. What's your AO of the week that you want to share with us today? Uh, yeah, um, my my AO moment of the week. I, it's kind of a, a good AO moment. Uh, it was actually uh, comes from Luka Doncic. Uh, it was a moment when uh, he got fouled and he kicked a video board, I believe, and just just knocked it, just broke the crap out of it. And I kind of looked at them and I was like, oh. Okay, Luca, I see you, you know, like big boy, big boy, big boy, you know, like <laughs> that is what he's lacking right now. Like you got to see that, like that dog, you know, that dog instinct out of him, right? All the, all the greats had it, you know, MJ was willing to throw down against the Pistons. Kobe would, would throw a two piece at you if you weren't looking like, you know, when you had Matt Barnes, like, you know, faking the throw ball. He's just ice in his veins, untouched. Shaq would, you know, just straight up bust up anybody in a fight. He went and fought Charles Barkley. He'll dunk on you. He'll step all over you. Luca needs that. Luca needs that, like, bulldog, like, Ur, you know, like, don't touch me, you know. Like, a lot of these guys in the league hate getting just absolutely dropped by this good-looking, you know, Slovenian kid who's coming, you know, he moves in slow motion and just, like, We'll drop 55 on you just, you know, without even breaking a sweat. 
and you know he'll put you in a spin cycle like he did to Bam out of bio last week. Like, oh man, that was guys, disgusting. It was disgusting, you know. So these guys are gonna come and they're gonna they're gonna touch him up. So like, I like to see that kind of that physicality out of Luca to be like, all right, listen, you know, this might be my league soon. So like, you guys are gonna come to me, like, you know, you best you know come for the head, you know, because I'm the king around here. Come at the king, you best not miss. So. You know, I loved seeing that when he broke that. I was like, yes, Luca, get it. Like, let's go get big, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's my moment of the week. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's funny to see from Luca, but I will say though, that the real person that you should really thank is James Johnson, man. You see like the beef he had with the Charlotte Hornets recently and, you know, just getting into, um, the Martin twins face. With his like third degree black belt or whatever. Third degree black belt. Don't touch James Johnson, bro. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Hey, man, I'm sure that he taught Luca a few things, you know, try to get him all riled up. So um, it's kind of nice to see that kind of aggression and and that emotion coming from Luca, you know, because obviously with that stigma that people would say European NBA players are soft, hopefully Luca can break that trend, you know, and not only, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, like not being able to not only play at a very high level, but also show that aggression. Cause you could also see that was one of his shortcomings last year in the playoffs against the Clippers when uh, Morris and those guys were able to get under his skin and knowing that he won't retaliate back. So that's why I feel like with Dallas offseason acquisitions and James Johnson and Josh Richardson, I feel like those are key. So that's going to be interesting. My AO moment of the week is actually pretty funny coming from Shaquille O'Neal being ultimately disrespectful. And I mean, crazy disrespectful when it comes to uh, talking about Rudy Gobert's contract. So (laughs) I, and I quote, I am not hating, but this should be a motivation and inspiration to all kids out there. You average 11 points per game in the NBA. You can make 20 million. God damn. Savage. Savage. Well, I don't know why Shaq is, he always has to be that bitter uncle that like no, no success will allow him to be happy for someone, right? He's like, Oh, he doesn't have enough rings in me. He doesn't have 30 and 10 like me. <laughs> is he, he doesn't wrong? move like me. What? I mean, <laughs> is he yeah. wrong though? Well, he's, he's not wrong, but I mean, there's, there's, there's a difference in being appreciative and being arrogant, right? And again, he has every right to be arrogant, being the one of the most dominant, if not most dominant big men in NBA history, but. It's just like, man, like the, like the guy made his money, just let it be. Obviously, you can talk about, you know, it being a bad contract or not, but to be able to tell kids, the future generation, to be like, hey, you know, if you average 11 points in NBA, you can make 200 million. And think about it. It's all about relatives, right? In today's NBA, contracts are super large compared to what it was back in the day. So I feel like Shaq, Barkley, a few other guys that were obviously, you know, elite talents back in the day making peanuts when you look today right like they're probably making 10 million dollars you know per year you can see guys like matthew delavadova making 10 mil a year obviously that 10 mil a year in the 90s is definitely different than 10 mil you make today right so i feel like that number figure somehow just triggers them for some reason and there's not really much of an appreciation from that veteran standpoint so i found it pretty funny because me i'm also a savage guy too so hearing that it was just jokes but i kind of feel sorry for rudiger bear man i mean he got shot on with regards to shutting down the nba with the whole COVID thing and then now he's getting shot on because he got paid so it's just funny man yeah i uh, first heard uh (laughs) yeah shaq say that on his podcast the big podcast with shaq uh, which just 
filmed. It's, it's one of his last episodes before it goes on hiatus. So uh, he, yeah, he had said this on, on air before and, and I agreed with him. And, but Shaq has a, has a history for, for going in on these guys. I mean, uh, the, the latest Dwight Howard too. Dwight Howard. Like, it was yeah. just a couple weeks ago when Dwight Howard went on IG and was like, follow your dreams, whatever you do. Like, you know, you could do whatever you do. Just follow your dreams. Shaq's like, just take your picture and shut up. You didn't do nothing. You're the 12th man on this team. Like, yeah, but you also, know, let, like, it's not, it's not necessary, but he's also kind of got a point, you know, and he has clearance too. He's the greatest big man of all time. Yeah. And then also when he was bullying JaVale McGee to the point where McGee's <laughs> mom literally had to tell Shaq to like, calm down, keep putting him on Shaq being a fool. But again, I can't blame Shaq because if you're acting like real dumb on the court, <laughs> making all these ill-advised shots, then obviously Shaq's going to put you on Shaq being a fool. I mean, that's the reason why you're on Shaq being the fool. So no, it's just funny coming from Shaq always being that bitter uncle you just never meet expectations for. So I feel like, yeah, you always like to have a guy like that in the media, but at the same time, it's like, sometimes you just have to feel bad for them. So anywho, I mean, that's NBA is an entertainment business. So what do I know? Right. Yeah. My, my other AO moment of the week was uh former Raptor Bismack Biombo of the Charlotte Hornets taking an ill-advised three. <laughs> and the Charlotte announcer freaking out, right? I saw so, <laughs> He literally, man, the way that Biombo pulled up, it was as if like he had the confidence of a Clay Thompson, man. It was literally admiring to watch, but just seeing the way the ball dying halfway down the basket and just literally, I think the ball was maybe like three feet away from the rim. That's how like short it was. And like the announcer was like, oh my goodness freaking out and man it was just it was just funny to see right but at the end of the day what i really want to say is know your limits big fella stick in the post if you're a shooter you can shoot by all means go for it but basically Yambo, you're known as interior presence stayed out low please Biombo. thank you Sit down. <laughs> yeah hey man shout out to uh, bed bath and Biombo. there we go <laughs> the namesake he's the legend yeah. And then lastly, lastly, my last AOM over the week, going back to the Knicks Raptors game was Austin Rivers uh, pulling as a cheerleader, basically on the court, waving his arms, like as if he's about to miss the bus or something. And like Julius Randle looking off him a couple times. And I think that was his debut too, was it not? Yep, it was. It was his return. Yeah. And you could just see him scratching his head. And I feel like, man, is he having nightmares of playing for the Rockets now? Just watching like... James Harden dribble, 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 shoot while also Rivers is open on the corner three. I don't know. What did you think of that? Uh, I mean, listen, Julius Randle has a history of just, if you call uh, Pascal a Beyblade, uh, Julius Randle is two Beyblades uh, because all he does is spin <laughs> and just go out of control and lose the ball. And uh, so I could see the fear in Austin's eyes when when he was there. Uh, last night well, against the Pacers, he kind of came through and he put uh, Depot on skates that that old winter park, Austin Rivers. But I'm sure that first game back, he was probably thinking, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? But uh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh my God, I hope I hope you don't bring this up. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely an AO moment for sure. No, I got to bring that up, man. That was one of the funniest clips I've seen in a while. With that being said, do you have any games this week that you were thinking that might be somewhat exciting to watch? I guess I can start off with that. I mean, I see that, the Boston Celtics are playing the Miami Heat. I believe it was on, I think on January 6th, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, the rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like Boston has a lot to prove. 
Jalen Brown has been an ascending talent, man. I, I'm a really big fan of Jalen Brown. You know, being able to not only play defense, but show that offensive prowl and being able to hit the three-point shot, being able to go inside, outside, having a little bit of a crossover too. And it really starts to put in question for me. Obviously, this might be a very hot take, but I'm going to stand by it. If he had the same shot selection and number of shots as Jason Tatum, I'm starting to think that he might be better than him. Um, you know, being the wow. second fiddle, I don't know, like, if, you know, being able to be that efficient, I get it. You may not play the toughest defender, but I feel like Jalen Brown is at a point where he needs to go to maybe another team and really show what's up, you know, similar. I'm not going to compare him to like a team act, but like, I mean, in terms of going onto your own squad and being able to put those numbers on a consistent basis and being relied upon day in, day out. I'm kind of curious to see how that goes, but again, Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, January 6th. That should be uh, something worth popping the popcorn for. How about you? Yeah, mine uh, mine also comes from January 6th, but it's two teams you probably wouldn't think of as a game of the week. Uh, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Orlando Magic. Uh, I want to see... Eastern Conference Finals it? preview. I, I, it could be at this point. Like, I, you know what? I want to see who's who's real and, and, and who's a pretender. Like... Obviously, we're very early in the season, and uh, if you've looked at the schedule, it's a lot of repeat games because they're trying to keep teams from traveling too much, uh, keeping them very close and local and playing teams that are kind of in the same sort of vicinity. Uh, So that's why we've seen a lot of uh, these teams kind of come out the woodwork and and, and really play well. So I want to see those two teams play each other. It'll probably be a very ugly game. Like, there's no discernible stars on on either of those teams that you could talk to an NBA layman uh, about but uh to see you know what what they really bring to the table and whether or not this is an aberration or if these teams are for real and can make it into the playoffs uh, I, I that's definitely something I'm looking forward to so I can't believe I'm saying this but Cleveland Cavaliers versus Orlando Magic I think it's on the same day on the 6th though uh you know get your popcorn ready for that one too oh big facts man that's, that's definitely going to be a doozy, that's for sure. All right, so heading over to our final segment, Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? We got a couple questions from our listeners that we'd like to discuss. So, Yazin, I'm going to ask you the first question from our bag here. One of our listeners had asked, they wanted to know our thoughts on the Trey Young foul drawing controversy same with other players too like Luca Harden etc so I feel like um, I remember hearing Trey Young talking about how he would draw fouls in terms of you know as he's dribbling down the court and he has a defender right behind him kind of like sticking his butt out a bit just to draw the foul and obviously when you look at guys like James Harden and a few others that are always fishing for the foul before actually looking to make the shot I wonder how the NBA will tread towards a direction where, you know, these kinds of things stop. So I want to kind of turn it over to you and hear your thoughts on some of the controversies that we're seeing with the foul trouble. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing new. Before it was Harden and Durant doing the swing move uh, on the three-point line and getting those calls. And they're still getting those calls. Uh, and, you know, obviously the whole pump fake and then lean into a guy and getting and getting calls. This one's kind of new, uh, you know, coming up the court and you have a defender riding your back and, and just stopping short, and then he kind of bulldozes you. Uh, I mean, Trey Young is a small guy, so it's pretty easy for him to kind of fall and, and, and take that foul. So I think the NBA will take notice. I know Steve Nash 
uh, who's the coach of the Brooklyn Nets when they played against Atlanta last week said, you know, that's not basketball. Like he kind of was very critical of it. Uh, Steve Nash is definitely not a kind of player who, you know, really drew those kind of calls. Steve Nash was really more hard nosed and like, I'm going to take you to the paint. And, you know, if I get elbowed in the face, I get elbowed in the face. I'm going to nail this shot. So, um, you know, what do I think about it? I mean, it's not great that players are playing to the refs instead of playing to the game, uh, so to speak, but it's all part of the game at the end of the day. Like it is, it's part of how you draw up a game plan. You know, if you do know a guy is very hesitant to draw fouls, uh, you know, then you might, you know, kind of lure him into it. If you know, it's a guy who averages a lot of fouls a game, you're going to exploit that. So uh, I see no harm really in it right now. Uh, of course, they're going to get creative about it. Uh, and the, the league will take note of it for sure. Refs will will, will take note of it. Uh, but it'll that's now entered into that ref uh, lexicon now. It's now into the conversation. About, All right, these are things we have to look forward to. And mind you, I mean, the referees, they're their own little organization too, you know, like they, uh-huh. they have annual meetings and, and they have a rule book and they have amendments and things like that. So everything can be fixed. Everything can be looked at. So I think the refs will definitely continue to look at this. And as we move forward, like the league will always change to, uh, to really bring all of this into the forefront. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it is what it is. You know, we'll see how it goes. And, and Trey Young's a smart guy and he knows what he's got to do to get to the line. No, most definitely. I mean, like you mentioned, with the foul drawing, it's almost becoming like a skill set, right? It's more like a, of an art, so to speak. Don't do dream or money or fashion. I do art. So with that being said, I understand it's a part of a game, but obviously I can see why some people might complain in terms of, you know, having the ability to attempt to defend a player like Trey Young or James Harden and then falling to, to a point where you have to like get into foul trouble and, you know, disrupt your flow of the game and then ultimately be off your game at the end of the day. So probably something that's worth noting for the NBA. That being said, we can talk about the next question, uh, which is kind of similar to what we discussed in the past. We have two listeners here that wanted to get our takes on our predictions for how the Raptors will be going forward after being one and four. And I guess I can take on this question. It's not looking too good. The Raptors go as far as Pascal Siakam goes, and it seems as though he's not getting into a consistent rhythm. Like We're not seeing that energy, that high energy, the high impact that he was able to show uh, at a consistent rate pre-bubble. And, you know, just trying to get remnants of it is so difficult with the uh, downgrade at the front court position by losing Ibaka and Marcus All is very difficult from a rebounding perspective and also from a playmaking ability, obviously. Like you have Serge Ibaka, who was averaging 15 points per game off the bench for the Raptors last year, and now replicating that with, mm-hmm. or at least finding someone that could fill that void in, in an Alex Lander, you know, Aaron Baines. Obviously, that is not going to cut it. So I was hoping that Siakam could take the next level in probably elevating his game to more of a 25 point points per game scorer, you know, eight rebounds, five assists. But uh, I don't know, the energy is not there. So um, I guess time will tell, but I'm looking at the Raptors to be more of a, of a, of a bottom playoff seed at this point. Uh, as for success in the playoffs, that's a whole different story. Another listener, uh, maybe you can probably take this one, how far the Mavs will go. You being a KP hater, you want to get biases aside, just to kind of see how uh, the Mavs will do in the Western Conference. And I'm pretty sure that you had them, I believe, in the seventh spot, if I'm not mistaken. But they maybe were you want to elaborate. Eighth? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know who this listener is. Uh, you know, huge Mavs fan, of course. Um, so, okay, you want to unbiased, you know, take away the KP hate aside, um, despite the fact I'm not going to even go into it. Who the f- is Tengus Tengus? But okay, so you, you guys know now how much I think of Luka Doncic. You know, I just discussed now that he had he needs to get that sort of dog mentality. We both thought that he was going to be our MVP this year. He can really take this team as far as he can do it. But every team needs a duo. We've seen that now in over the last, you know, 20 odd years that every successful uh, NBA champion has had two stars, at least, you know, some of that, sometimes three. And in one case they had four. Uh, So you need guys who can take the pressure off of Luca. So, you know, is KP that Robin to Luca's Batman? Like, can KP come in, stay healthy, which he honestly has not done since he's come into the league? Uh, and can he provide that one-two punch? If he can, KP plays to his potential, and he plays as as well as he should, being a high draft pick, and the complementary pieces around both of those two are are playing really well. I think this team can make it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I don't see why not, because Luka's that good of a basketball player. He's a generational talent. He has all of the makings for a, a, a superstar in this league, but he can't do it alone. So you can be anywhere as bad as the, like I said, the eighth or seventh seed. I don't think they're bad enough to not make the playoffs because Luka's just that good, but Without him having a sidekick, without him having another star, uh, we heard the rumors about trying to get Giannis in, and obviously that didn't happen. And, you know, KP is good. KP, you know, should have been an all-star a few years back before he tore his ACL. But since then, I mean, he's gotten injured again and again. He's injured right now. Uh, We've seen flashes of him being a great player, and we've seen flashes of him being, you know, a a terrible player. Not a terrible player, but a, Yo, not a terrible not living, player. Chill out. <laughs> not, not playing up to his potential, you know? So uh, the injuries are going to be something that has to be mitigated. Uh, whether or not KP is the guy to be the number two or not remains to be seen. So how far I think the, the Mavs can go with a healthy KP, with Luka doing his thing, with complimentary pieces like Richardson and, and Johnson and, and even guys like Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee who are can definitely score the basketball, I think that they can... Uh, make it to the Western Conference Finals. Past that, I don't think they have enough in them yet. I think Lucas still needs a little bit more seasoning before he becomes the, you know, megastar that he's destined to be. And, you know, we'll have to, it remains to be seen how well KP's knees hold up. Personally, I don't think they will, but best of luck to them. Best of luck to Luca. I really like Luca. I don't like KP, but, you know, the, the Mavericks can go as far as that duo can stay together and play well. No, that's a totally fair take. And um, I feel like, I, I think I had them higher. I had them like fifth or sixth. Luka Dantich is a different breed. And I feel like he's able to uh, put the Dallas Mavericks in a good situation from a playoff standpoint. But just to piggyback off your point, you need to have two stars in order to at least make some kind of noise and go deep into the Western Conference. It all really relies on KP's health, being able to stay consistent on the court and battled some of the elite front court that we're seeing in the Western Conference and, you know, Anthony Davis, Joe Kitchen, and, and the others. So uh, I guess we'll see how, how things go with the Dallas Mavericks. 
With that said, that's the end of Blogboy Talk and that's the end of our episodes. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Gamepoint Pod on IG and Gamepoint Pod underscore on Twitter. Uh, we are both on Spotify and Apple platforms, whichever platform you prefer to download our episode. Add reviews if you can. That'll be greatly appreciated. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Yazin? Yeah, man. Smash that uh, that like button, That hit those five-star reviews. We're a small operation still. We're pretty small, uh, but we're looking to dominate the sports world. And the, the success we have is based off of the contributions of our followers. So please keep sending in your questions. Keep sending in repeat questions. If you've sent a question before, send it again. Keep sending a question. Uh, you know, we will involve our listeners more uh, as we move forward. We will get more interactive with uh, with people calling in and games and things like that. So uh, keep it up, guys. We love the support. We're now available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just listen to us, uh, you know, during the day when you're at home, uh, when you're on the way to work, if you go into the office. We really appreciate it. Our soothing, calm voices to talk you through this treacherous NBA world. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're here for you guys. Hey, man. We're just like Jalen Jacoby. You know, we give the people what they want. But obviously at an elite level. (laughs) Much more elite. We're like Skip and Shannon, but good. No, no. We're Game Point Pod. That's what it is. We're Game Point Pod. We've got to promote the brand. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, with that being said, we'll end it off. That's game.